Well, I hope that worship was a really uh, big encouragement to you. So glad that you're with us right now. Got a message coming to you that I think is going to be really important in a brand new series called Four. This series is all about our heart as a church and uh, our vision as a church. I'm really excited because there's tons of practical stuff for you and your life in this too. Uh, it's a big morning. Soft launch has started at our Tremont location. You're hanging out with us at our online location. Listen, so much cool stuff happens just by showing up. Showing up to church at Grace Free Church and amazing stuff happens. I'm glad you're with us and I'm trusting that God's got something amazing for you in these next moments. Would you pray with me and we'll get right into it. Dear God, we thank you so much for your love for us. We're here from all different places, experiencing all different kinds of things, and maybe right now we're separated by a little bit of time and space as we're jumping on to the online location, but you know our hearts, you know what we're dealing with, you know what we need, and we come here, I come here with great expectation for you to do more than I could ever do myself, for you to do something I didn't think of asking for, and I didn't think to imagine uh, we just need you and I pray for whoever's watching this online wherever they're watching it that they would have a real and palpable experience with you through your spirit this morning and through your word encourage us strengthen us help us to to get pumped up about who you are and what you're doing help us to be the church together supporting one another loving one another, walking with one another, even though we're separated by some distance right now. It is so good to be together in Jesus' name. Amen. I got nothing. <laughs> it's a great start, right? Like, I got, I got nothing. You ever feel like that? You ever feel like that in life? You just, man, whatever is going on, the new challenges you face, you feel not like you just don't have enough to meet the new day or the new challenge or the new school here or the new obstacle that you're facing. You just feel spent. You feel like you're running on empty. You feel like, I got nothing. It, it probably doesn't match the reality of our experiences, but I think at some point or another, we've all felt that kind of like, man, it feels like something is really missing. It feels like we got no energy left, no wisdom to impart, nothing to share. I feel like that a whole lot of Sundays and weeks leading up to these messages. Sometimes it's crazy. God will inspire me and uh, spark something in me, help me see something in His Word and, in, and the message writes itself so quick and man I just know that he's gonna do something amazing through it and other times it's like walking through a desert like I'm not even sure why anybody would listen or what's going on because I got nothing it doesn't match reality but it doesn't feel good either and and I remember how discouraging this was Monday even you see, when you feel like you just got nothing left and nothing to offer, not enough, something's missing, it is so discouraging. Last Sunday was an awesome Sunday. We wrapped up our series called Search Party. 
with the one called the other one, and I don't know, I'm sure probably not everybody loved it, but it was an awesome Sunday. Like the worship was awesome. It's awesome every week, but there's just something special, I think, about this last Sunday. Every time, every once in a while, you have a service that just, man, just really clicking, and it feels like everybody is just there and like leaning in, and God's doing something amazing. And last Sunday, it was amazing. Like, People that hear me speak a whole lot, our staff members were like, that, that was the best sermon I think you've ever preached. It wasn't, they're just crazy, but you know, it was, it was one of those sermons that just went pretty good, and Sunday afternoon, I was like, all right, God, I, I see it, like, okay, you're doing something, I'm excited for the fall again, we're going to see something amazing, and then all of a sudden, Monday comes, and I'm like, man... We only we still got like thirty nine thousand dollars to raise in the Grace Tremont uh, launch Tremont campaign for the campus that we're launching September twelfth. I got I'm not proud of it, but I was like super discouraged about that. Offering is in the middle of the throes of summer, like on Sunday mornings. It's okay, like. It's just, I woke up and those numbers were in my reports for the day just to pay attention to. And man, it's like, okay, summer, please end. We can't keep doing this. People are traveling and doing stuff and having fun. I get it. But like church seems forgotten sometimes. It seems like it's hard to get people to reconnect at this time of year. I was so discouraged and I'm sitting there Monday morning, even though Sunday was so awesome thinking, I don't know, man just it, it was it was so discouraging I called my wife Jen I'm like I'm just so discouraged it's uh, I'm so discouraged it seems like so much is missing and that's the thing about feeling like I got nothing right we're quick to focus on what's missing and the negative and all that stuff gets all of our attention and all of our time we do it all the time. Like, I focus on the $39,000 that we still need to, to bring in and the fact that it's slowed down, the giving to the campaign has slowed down the last couple weeks. And instead of focusing on the fact that we raised $80,000 in the middle of a pandemic to launch this campus, like, instead of the good stuff getting my attention, it's the negative stuff that gets my attention. Instead of the amazing stuff that God was doing on a Sunday morning, it's the Monday reports that get all my attention. The negative stuff, it just screams the loudest in our lives and it's what we focus on the most. I got nothing. We do it in our marriages. We focus on all the deficiencies and all the problems and all that's missing. We do it in our homes. We do it at our workplaces. We even do it at church, inside and outside the church. We focus on what's missing, on what's negative, on the, that kind of stuff. <laughs> In fact, what's frustrating about it is I think that so many people are discouraged when they think about church. They're discouraged because... All they hear and focus on is the negative stuff. Now, I'm not talking about like this church here. There's so many positive things going on, and, and we're not a perfect church. Uh, I'm not a perfect leader or man. Uh, nobody here is. Like, if you, if you expected a perfect church, you're at the wrong one. 
this morning. Like, but, but I'll, I'll tell you what, like, a lot of times the focus just, it ends up being the negative. And people in our communities have this view of church that spills out when they're talking to you. When they find out that you're excited to go to church. When they find out that you're jumping online even though you couldn't be there in person on a Sunday. When you're talking about how cool the kids' campus is, people like, they don't get it, and it's discouraging because they, they focus on the negative and what church is against. That's the message they hear because the negative gets all of our attention. What's missing gets all of our attention. So, so what, they, what they hear is over and over and over again what church is against. And what we want to be known about us is what we're for. That's why we say we're for Jesus. This is our vision as a church. We're for your friends and family. We're, we're for Jesus in this order. We're for Schuylkill County. We're for your friends and family who don't go to church, and we are for you. And over the next couple of weeks, what we're going to talk about is each one of those things and why they are so important to our life as a church and why they are so important to your life as an individual. First off, we are for Jesus, because I got nothing. But with Jesus, doesn't matter what I got, if I got him. This first message in this series, For Jesus, it's, um, it's so important. It's the most important thing that we're for. We want to be known what we are, by what we're for. Uh, we want to change that conversation in our community. We think church is amazing. We think what God's doing is amazing. We think Jesus is absolutely amazing. We, we want to be known for what we are for. And we're first and foremost for Jesus. You know, when we say that I got nothing, it seems like something's missing, but it's often not reality. It's that feeling that something was missing that drove Nicodemus to search for Jesus in John chapter 3. It says, there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born again when they are old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Like here you have this religious leader, and we've been hard on them lately, but this one is asking the right question at the right place. He sneaks to find Jesus at night, this guy, Nicodemus. He doesn't want anybody to see him because he's got a lot to lose. Did you ever let what you had to lose keep you from experiencing what you had to gain. I think most of the time we miss out on really great stuff in life because we are afraid of what it's going to cost us. Maybe some people are missing out on some life-changing truth that will alter their existence for an eternity and generations to generations this morning because they didn't want to lose out on a couple of rounds at golf while it's fresh out and not too hot. Like, you see, we can miss all kinds of stuff because we're afraid 
of what we'll lose. And he had a lot to lose, Nicodemus. So he comes creeping to Jesus at night. Now, here's what's cool about this guy, right? Like, he didn't let his fear of what would be lost if he was found out keep him from searching for Jesus. Yeah, he searched it in a shady way. Yeah, it was undercover. But he was going to the right place with the right question that was birthed from a heart that said, I got all this religion but it still feels empty. I know I'm waiting for something bigger and better, the Messiah, to those who were intact with God throughout the, the religious, from the Jewish tradition. They, they knew the Messiah. I know I'm missing something. And while I'm not real proud, I'm, I'm kind of hiding it. I'm going to go to Jesus to find out. This is what's really amazing about this passage in Nicodemus here. Is he shows up at night and he leaves with a speech and not a question. His speech is like, oh, you're so great. You're doing amazing things. I don't, you have to be from God. Nobody could do these things if they weren't from God. There, there's no question here. And Jesus, he shoots right to Nicodemus's heart. Now here's the first thing about why we are for Jesus. Jesus is not just a man or a prophet or a teacher. Jesus claimed to be scripture recorded thousands upon thousands. Man, who knows how many Christians from the very beginning gave up their lives all because of their belief that Jesus wasn't just some teacher, wasn't just some Jewish rabbi, wasn't just some prophet, that Jesus was actually God among us, Emmanuel, the Messiah, the promised one, here to save the world. We, we are for Jesus, because Jesus is God. Now that's exciting. Here's why that's so exciting to me. That is absolutely mind-blowing to me, because here you have the Son of God, God in the flesh, taking time to deal with this religious dude who was too scared to go asking Jesus these questions during the daytime, wanders up to him after dark, and isn't even courageous enough to ask him the real question in his heart. Instead, he just like kind of does this weird, awkward, passive uh, speech here at the beginning. Like, oh, you're really good. You must be from God. You're doing great stuff. Is this encouragement? Is it a speech? What are you doing here? And Jesus, he shoots right to the heart. Maybe you're sitting here playing church games like Nicodemus. You got real questions that you're afraid to ask. You got real issues that you're afraid to admit. You got real struggles that you're afraid to open up. You're sitting here trapped on the verge of the greatness God has for your life and just continuing on in whatever your life has looked like day to day to day to day to day because you're afraid of what you're going to lose. And Jesus sees right to your heart. 
we're for Jesus because Jesus is God, and we are for Jesus because God in the flesh cares about you. He knows your heart. He knows the fears you're carrying right now, the frustrations you have at home, the anxiety you feel at your workplace. He knows what what keeps you up at night, why your mind won't stop racing when you wake up at 3 a.m., why you can't even go back to... He knows everything about you, and he cares so much. Jesus throws him this question, digging right into the heart, about, talks to him about the kingdom. You can't be, unless you're born again. Such a foreign idea to them. And, then, and that's where the word born again or that expression comes from. This passage right here, one verse. It's just trying to use Jesus's, Jesus' language to say what simply means this. You need a new heart. Jesus would go on. And some of the best verses, my favorite verses in the Bible are in this conversation. He goes, no, you don't get it. Like, right, Nicodemus, I'm not talking about being born again physically. I'm talking about being born again spiritually. He talks about how he says, just as Moses was lifted up as the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted off. He was telling him before it would even happen about the cross that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. And then some verses may be heard before. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love the darkness instead of light. You see, we are for Jesus Because Jesus is the Son of God. He knows your heart. He came to give you a new one. And he says to Nicodemus, like, what I'm talking about is your your soul. And what I'm going to do for you is what you need. I have a new heart and a new life for you new forgiveness you don't have to be trapped in shame or the trap of religion or routine anymore i've come to do something so amazing in your life and if you would just believe in me you will have eternal life jesus it's this absolutely incredible time with nicodemus you need a new heart everything has pointed to me And that's why I'm here. See, Jesus is for you. And he knows your heart. And because he is for you, and he knows your heart more than you even know your heart, he can do for you more than any pastor or any church, anything could do for you. You were created for relationship with Him, with God. And through His work on the cross and the empty tomb, you can be restored into that right relationship with Him. It's crazy that so many people think that God is against them. 
that God is angry, that God is ready to punish them, <laughs> pull out the ruler from heaven and smack their fingers every time they make a mistake. It's, it's amazing that some of you right now think that God is mad at you or is punishing you when the truth is God in the flesh came for you. He's the only one who has come for you. He came to do for you what you could never do for yourself. Jesus is the proof that God loves you and is for you. And you didn't have to do a thing. You didn't have to try to get to him. You didn't have to try to make your own way. You didn't have to try to solve the mystery to get to God. You didn't have to try to live out a life of devotion, never making a mistake to get to him because he cut the distance and came to you. It's hard to be hard on Nicodemus who's so stuck in religion we get stuck in religion but sometimes we've been filling the seats of church and it still doesn't sink in that Jesus is for us that's why we're for him John chapter in John chapter 14 you have the disciples they didn't get it either Jesus is telling them in the beginning of this chapter he's starting the countdown to the final end of his time with them in person before his crucifixion. And in John chapter 14 and verse 1, it says this, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have not told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come back and take you to be with me, and that you may also be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Like, he's like... Listen, do not be troubled. Believe in God, believe in me. I'm going to prepare a place for you and I'm going to come back and I'm going to take you to that place I prepared. Thomas is like, hey, uh, so Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? It's almost like Thomas and Philip and the disciples are in this like, uh, they're listening, but they're not listening. You ever have that conversation with your kids? Or your husband, right? They're listening, but they're not listening. They're just like, uh-huh. Maybe they're even making eye contact with you. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But you know it's not registering, like, whatever's going on in their brains. Like, football or cars or Xbox or whatever they got going on in their brain. Like, nothing is, they're almost like just nodding their way to the end of the conversation. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Thinking about what they're going to say next. Uh-huh. Uh-huh, got the, got the question they're going to ask, not listening to the answer you're already providing. Uh-huh, uh-huh, God bless our teachers who have to deal with this every day. Uh-huh, uh-huh, and our wives. Uh-huh, 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 but, 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 okay, 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 so I don't even know what you're, how do I, how do I get there? I don't know what you're, what you're, what you're talking about. Like, it's the same questions that we ask all the time. Uh, I don't understand and I don't know what to do. Jesus is indulging his question and saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Couldn't be any clearer. Philip's like, uh-huh, uh-huh, okay, okay. Well, Lord, show us the Father and that'll be enough for us. Like, they're almost not even listening to the words that Jesus is saying, he goes on, he says, don't you know me, Philip? 
Even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Um, we are one. God, the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. If you've seen me, you've seen him. I am the, Scripture teaches that Jesus is the perfect revelation of who God is. John 1, chapter 1, tells us, we don't have time to jump to it. Go read it on your own. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was made flesh. Jesus incarnate, the creator of the world, here in the flesh. And everybody's just going, yeah, we're not really listening. We just don't know what to do. And maybe if you just show us, like, we'd be all right. And Jesus is like, you don't, don't you even know me? Don't you even know him? If you got Jesus, you got what's most important. You don't need to figure everything else out. It'll all come in time as the Spirit does its work in your heart. If you got Jesus, you got all you need. He is before all things. And in him all things hold together. So you don't have to try to hold it all together on your own anymore. He is the way. You don't have to figure out how to get God. That's what religion is. It's all about us trying to impress God, trying to figure out how to get to God, trying to do all the things right and check all the boxes so that one day God will accept us. Jesus is the way, and you didn't have to figure out the way. You didn't have to try to keep the way. The way showed up in flesh and bone on our planet and made a way through the cross and the empty tomb. So you don't have to create your own way to God. God already came to you. And Romans 10, 9 and 10 just says, all you got to do is believe in your heart and confess with your mouth and you'll be saved. He is the truth. I know it's confusing out there what's the truth and what's not the truth. You get spun all kinds of stuff, and sometimes it spills even into the walls of the church, and people want to argue about what's truth and what's not truth, and there's all different kinds of interpretations of things in the Bible, and different preachers will tell you different things, and, and the key to it all is to just land with Jesus. Wherever he is, that's where the truth is. Whatever he does... That's the truth of how we should live. All scripture is useful and given to us, right? And all of it is true. But when you get confused and you're not sure what is right and what is wrong, when you're struggling to make sense of some difficult stuff that's confusing in here, just keep coming back to Jesus. It all points to him anyway. And he is the life. All that you've been searching for and all that seems missing. What's going on in your heart when you feel like you got nothing? 
You don't know what to add or what to do. You don't know if you have enough strength to go through what's next. You don't know if you have enough energy to face the next obstacle. Your anxiety is running crazy. Your anger is on the, the, the verge because you're just so, so running thin in life when you feel worn out and, it, and the, the joy is missing from life. The peace is missing from life. The clarity is missing from life. The fun is missing from life. The light is missing from your life. Just fall back and on to Jesus. You don't get it, disciples, right? Like, I wonder how many have been in church so long. They just don't get it. Because they don't get him. Listen, he's what's been missing. He has what you need. He isn't just some teacher or some prophet. He is God among us. And so as a church, first and foremost, we're for a lot of really cool things. We have a lot of fun. It's a lot of excitement. But you got to know if you're going to be a part of this place, if you're going to come searching for this place, what we are most about is not cool shoes and awesome sounding music. What we're most about is not campus locations and awesome kids programming. We have all that stuff. We have it, and it's great. We're not just about funny messages that are inspiring. We're not just about emotions or excitement. We're not just about any of the stuff that we are about. What we are first and foremost for is Jesus. You see, we believe he is everything that you need, everything you have been searching for, everything you have been hoping for. We believe that through his blood shed on the cross, he has paid for our sins, a payment that we can never make on our own so that we don't have to live in shame or guilt anymore, so that we don't belong to the enemy and our fate does not reside in that kind of like state that we, through his blood, have the forgiveness of our sins through faith. And we get to participate in this beautiful thing called grace that we live in. We believe that he rose again from the tomb, that that tomb is empty so that we could have life and the assurance of our hope. Not just life eternally, although that is a promise for all those who believe in Jesus, but that we could have a life that is full and exciting and joyous and full of the best stuff right here on earth. We are for Jesus because whether you realize it or not, he has been what your heart has been longing for and searching for. He is the author of unconditional love and the only place you can find it pure and true. He is the way, the truth, and the life. We're for Jesus. We are for Schuylkill County. We are for your friends and family who don't go to church, and we are for you. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you so much for Jesus, and it's just good to be reminded. We don't want to play church games. It would be about all kinds of other really cool stuff. I'm so thankful. I'm thankful for this church. I'm thankful for the awesome music. It's so encouraging, the teams that make it all happen. I'm thankful for the production people behind the scenes who probably never get a thank you, who make 
all of this possible online and all of this possible at our locations. And I'm thankful that we have such an amazing group of people that show up online and in person every week. People excited to dig in, people having fun at church. I'm so thankful for our amazing kids ministry. But God, you know my heart. You know most important to this church, to me, is just Jesus. We are for you. And that's how we want to be known. Because we know if, if our friends, our family, our kids and grandkids, if they have Jesus, they have everything. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.